0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer from Cat Swamp Road in New Jersey. And as always, I hope and pray that things are going well in your life and in your operation, whatever that may be. And uh, I'm going to ask uh, for your forgiveness because I'm going to do something today that I told you last week that I was not going to do. And I decided uh, just this morning to change the topic of my show today and to get to take a deep dive into the 2022 ford maverick now last week when i did the show on hybrids just understanding the basics of the atkinson cycle engine that's used predominantly in hybrids i said that i was just going to talk about the maverick in my on my radio show Farm machinery digest radio Uh, which is heard on SiriusXM channel 147 and if you don't already know it every week it also it lists one week after it airs on satellite as a podcast so you don't have to have SiriusXM to listen to that and and I as I said to you last week I would greatly appreciate that you would to listen to both idle chatter and Farm Machinery Digest Radio as a podcast because they both have educational content. And I know I'm asking a lot of you, I'm asking you to spend sometimes close to two hours a week listening to this guy, but God willing, it has enough merit to it that the content has enough merit that you will find that it is worth your investment. So I I said I was going to do that. And then when I did the radio show, and I said to myself that you know, i really couldn't take a deep enough dive into this maverick on the radio show and the, t- and the reason being is that the radio show is 24 minutes it's a half hour radio show has six minutes worth of commercial breaks so it has 24 minutes of actual talking time whereas on the podcast i don't chatter uh, much to your <laughs> chagrin probably that i could go much longer than that and i try to not to go much more than 65 or 70 minutes on idle chatter so i know that it's a a burden to you to listen for that long in most instances and i don't blame you but based upon that so if you say let's say let's say 25 minutes instead of 24 for easy arithmetic and let's say idle chatter i could go 75 minutes it gives me three times the amount of opportunity to to better represent something to you than the radio show does and in this and in most instances that is not an issue but when it comes to something like a road test like this and and specifically the maverick that i want to do a good job of representing it to you to my audience so that is what today's show is going to be about i'm going to take a deep dive into the maverick now if you listen to both shows i i'm so appreciative of it Right, and if you listen to uh, the Farm Machinery Digest Radio, you're going to hear some overlap. But I'm going to be able to. So that's uh, that's going to be the the. Uh, what in, in school? What you used to have those those not crimp notes? I forgot what they used to call those those little books that like uh, that gave you the synopsis of a of a novel. I forgot what they call them and, they used to, and you, if you read those you knew more or less what the novel was about but, but it wasn't the whole novel it was the, it was the bullet points right so the radio show is the bullet points and i know a lot of listeners do uh <clears throat> tune in on the weekends and i appreciate that <clears throat> and so it's it's got a little bit of overlap but it's not gonna it's not gonna be the same of course i'm gonna get into more detail with things so that is that and i thank you for allowing me to do that but as i always say I want to give you the most information possible and to have a, <clears throat> excuse me, a transfer of knowledge. And that's what it's all about because if there's no transfer of knowledge and if you try to rush a transfer of knowledge and it's uh, it's not sometimes you give the person just enough information to get them in trouble, right? You'd be better off without it. I'm just gonna take a drink of water here. <clears throat> Five minutes into the show and the throat's giving up ready. not that good. All right, so that is basically that and I want to thank you so much for, for in uh, for entertaining that and allowing me to do it now i have to give some pins in my map and i'm going to give a pin in my uh, I, i'm not I'm, i they gave me the pin i should say and i'm just putting the pin in my map so i want to thank mr gary rankin from gardner kansas and mr tim hunt from newark ohio and they both reached out to me they went to the website farm and they filled out the form which is the best way to enter the contest for the free hot rod farmer license plate right well if it's a contest it has to be free right <clears throat> you can't say oh you won and you got to pay so I want to thank you so much for that, <clears throat> and then we have two winners, obviously two winners every week, not obviously, that's what we've been doing, and I need Mr. Derek Schmucker from Hutch- Hutchinson, Kansas, and Mr. John Tysnick T-Y-Z-N-I-K, from Holyoke, Colorado, to both reach out to me. At Hot Rod Farmer, or just go back, go to the website and fill out that form, so I could have your mailing address, and I will be able to get those Hot Rod Farmer license plates out to you ASAP. So I greatly appreciate you entering the contest, and I I am honored to be able to send those license plates to you. A uh, couple of updates here on the farm. The other day, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, the other day. We received 4.04 inches of rain. I'm just going to do the dragster here for a second, try to clear this throat up so I can keep going. Hold on. Yeah, right. You guys are probably sick of hearing that. Sorry about that. But uh, we got 4.4 inches of rain in just about two hours. So it was a lot of rain that came down, and then subsequently it slowed down a little bit, and then we ended up getting just under five inches that evening, and uh, but it took about another two hours to get the next three-quarter of an inch. But we got, so five inches of rain, and uh, thank God I'm no-till, and thank God I had a lot of um, biomass on my soil from my cover crop to dampen up because with, with my soil structure it's a low cec soil and but with the uh, the type of clay i have and it's much better now but when you get a pounding rain like that even in, and anybody i mean you guys i'm not i'm preaching to the choir here but anybody who farms knows that you get a pounding rain like that that it, it beats the soil almost like shot peens it and makes it very crusty and it makes it hard for the plant to um, to emerge but by having that all that biomass and ha- being no-till and having all that biomass it definitely uh definitely helps that but the one field i do have some standing water well i shouldn't say standing water i have it is standing it's running water i should say not standing it's i guess in texas they'd call that live water i think they call it live water down there but it's moving water because the way that field is is that it's, um, it's the other side of the road is the mountain and i mean it's not the rocky mountains but it's a pretty good mountain for new jersey and there's a lot of rock there and then we have a high water table the water comes percolates out of the soil and comes down it doesn't go across the road it uh goes underneath the road and then comes down into that one field and it has maybe a five or six foot wide little stream or creek that goes through the field and meanders through to the back end of the field and then the water kind of puddles there so it's not puddling because of compaction it's puddling because it's running down off the mountain so uh looks like i'm going to most likely lose some crop there because the ground is pretty well saturated and uh, as of it's been a couple of days and we're still running this morning and then also <clears throat> what happens is that that seems to wash off the pre-emerge that I put down, so then you get a lot of weeds there and you're off to the races. So whatever, hey, it's God's will, it's God's rain, and I know so many places in the country and in the listening audience around the world would love to be able to get five inches of rain. So, uh, so that basically is that, and the, um, the kittens are growing very well, and I have to uh, I actually have them in the breezeway right now, and I put them in with the girls, which my hens. But my hens, the enclosure for my hens is like fifteen hundred square feet. It's thirty by fifty, and uh, it's like a, looks like a teepee, so it's triangulated, about eight or nine feet high in the middle. Not that it makes any difference to them, but I when I built that years ago, my friend Jake, when I got my hen Emily, and uh, I used cattle wire, Red Brand, Red Brand brand cattle wire, and I did not use chicken wire because I knew that and good thing I did do that because uh, it was two days old depending a bear climbed it and with that cattle wire it was hundred percent fine I didn't use chicken wire because I was not concerned with something that small is not was not going to hurt the hens I was concerned with either a fox or a, or a um, a bird of prey coming down and getting them so that's why i used the use the cattle fencing so but the kittens could still fit through the cattle fencing so i have to uh hopefully the next day or so buy some chicken wire and just mickey mouse it over the bottom of the pen so the kittens can't fit through there and then i could put the kittens in there without babysitting them and that'll make life a little bit easier and they need to be outside more than they are right now and be in god's creation So that is what I'm hoping to do. Uh, Then maybe even this, when I get done recording this show. So that is that. Let me look at my crimp notes, my cheat notes here to see what else I had. And that's that. So I'm moving my papers around. And, uh, you know, sadly, I, uh, this is just some, a a personal note. And it's, it's, it's sad because you know, as a young man i saw and this has nothing to do with cars or anything and believe me i'm not i'm not trying to push anything on anybody that's not my style but um, not my style whatsoever. And, and please also know that I am by no means trying to say that I'm a know it all or what have you. I'm, I'm, I'm just an everyday guy like you, the person that's listening. I'm no better, no worse than, than anybody else, no smarter, no, probably dumber than everybody else. I, that's not, I probably know less than everybody else that's in the audience. But as a young man, I came to see. Mo- most of my family, my wife's side has a had. My wife had a lot big family, and my side was the polar opposite. So, as a young boy, I, I experienced a lot of a lot of death, a lot of people dying, and I came to came to the conclusion. I, I don't know, maybe I was ten, eleven years old. I don't know, remember, but there was a young boy, not quite a young man yet, and I came to the conclusion, from my way of thinking, that an extended that an illness uh a short illness or extended illness before someone passes away as a blessing and so many people say that they oh, they you know they hear somebody just dropping dead to be crude and they say oh, that's how i want to go and i you know i that that always bothered me and as a young boy i said i did see that that i that i didn't feel that that was the proper way because it doesn't give you a chance." To say goodbye, it doesn't give your loved ones a chance to say goodbye. It doesn't give you the opportunity to make to make uh, your peace with the Lord, and it doesn't give you the opportunity to savor those last days or months or what have you. And uh, and I always felt, and there was always my wish in my heart, that when it comes time for me to go to the Lord, that the Lord allows me to have some sort of extended illness, even if it means suffering, but. Just so that I could have that closure to things, and and uh, I just think it's very—I I believe it's very important. So, but you could obviously choose to feel some uh, feel uh, feel uh, else otherwise. Not otherwise, otherwise. But sadly, this past couple of days, we found out that an, a lady down the road, and they've been here for many, many years. They've probably a hundred families probably been here for close to a hundred years they had a small farm and she went into the hospital for a colonoscopy and she never came out and i you know was and the family is obviously just devastated by that and rightfully so because so it's like a car crash and then again then this morning i went to where i go for breakfast and uh the person who works, he says to me, takes me on the side, or as soon as, well, there was nobody there at five o'clock in the morning, he just comes over to me and says "May me, I have some sad news. And I said, I didn't know what to expect. And then uh, and they said, Peter died. I said, Peter died and he was the owner of the establishment and he went down to Florida with his family to visit some other relatives and he was only 57 years old and he got a massive heart attack and he, he dropped dead. So it was uh, very, very humbling the past couple of days to see these two people that I knew, that totally car crash type of passing, and uh, and uh, just how devastated those families are and the people who loved them and knew them. I mean, it's, uh, there's no closure to that, uh, it's just terrible, terrible, and that's why like I said, I'm not, you know, pushing anything on anybody whatsoever. But that's why, if you, you know, if you are a person of faith and walk with Jesus, then you know the Bibles tell us that you know we need to seek the Lord while we could still find him. And I'm not going to be judgmental. I do not know what these people's, those two people's hearts were, but I pray and I hope that they did know the Lord before that that happened to them. And sadly, the lady who lived down the road her family is still there they also were excavators and years ago maybe 30 years ago it's how time flies by they were doing this, they were redoing the septic on their own property and their own farm i mean that's what they did for a living and the one son there was two there's two sons the one son went into the hole i don't know to, with a shovel to clean it out or do something and it collapsed on him and obviously in a situation that's like being buried in a grain bin but i guess i don't think one is worse than the other but you can't go in there with the backhoe and start to dig out you have to dig them out by hand and uh he did survive but he was uh that the air airlift him out of the farm and uh he did survive and he um but he does have brain damage and is not the man that he was 30 years ago before he decided to go into that into that hole and clean it out with the shovel while his brother was operating the back home so sadly uh the father who was quite elderly has him to take care of because he cannot take care of himself and then the loss of a loss of the um of the wife the unexpected loss of the wife so it's terrible and the man who from the um place where i go for breakfast he has a uh a Down syndrome daughter that his wife has. It's a terrible challenges, challenges of life. So, uh, but that is, uh, that's why we have to have faith. So we can't, uh, we can't go on without that. But thank you for allowing me to share that with you. And then, uh, so, and I'd like to share one other thing, if you don't mind. And I hope, I hope this doesn't turn you off. But I found i found this wonderful story now i did not write the story all right i cut and pasted it and it was on linkedin and i found the one the wonderful story so i'm going to ask you to share it with me and it kind of goes to what i was talking about about being introspective and looking at life and it's it's the story uh so it's the story of judy and the man she loved and loved her and as you listen to this and now judy is a dog and as you listen to this i'm going to ask you what jumps out at you is it the wonderful store is it the, is it the wonderful and amazing dog that she was or the unseen hand of our lord having sovereign control of everything is it god honoring the love and bond between man and animals or is it in your mind just an amazing story you know, in in life, most things are either much more than they seem, or much less than we give them credit for. So there is a greater depth to life than we often recognize. Sadly, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to i I'm, I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord to give you to give your heart eyes to see His will and His Majesty in all. As I read with you the story of Judy, it's not long, and then we'll get into the Maverick. Judy, a purebred pointer, was the mascot of several ships in the Pacific and was captured by the Japanese in 1942 and taken to a prison camp. So the actual Japanese captured her and took the dog to a prison camp. There she met aircraftman Frank Williams, who shared his small portion of rice with her. Judy raised morale in the POW camp and also barked when poisonous snakes, crocodiles, or even tigers approached the prisoners. When the prisoners were shipped back to Singapore, she was smuggled out in a rice sack, never whimpering or betraying her presence to the guards. The next day, that ship was torpedoed. Williams that was the man who adopted her in the prison camp, pushed Judy out of a porthole in an attempt to save her life, even though there was a 15-foot drop to the sea. He made his own escape from the ship, but was then recaptured and sent to a new POW camp. He didn't know if Judy had survived, but soon he began hearing stories about a dog helping drowning men reach pieces of debris after the shipwreck. And when Williams arrived at the new POW camp, he said, I couldn't believe my eyes. A scraggly dog hit me square between the shoulders and knocked me over as I walked through the gate. I'd never been so glad to see that old girl. They spent a year together at that camp in Sumatra. Judy saved my life in so many ways, says Williams, but the greatest of all was giving me a reason to live. All I had to do was look into those weary, bloodshot eyes and ask myself, what would happen to her if I died? I had to keep going. Once hostility ceased, Judy was then smuggled aboard a troop ship heading back to Liverpool. In England, she was awarded the Dickens Medal, the Victoria Cross for Animals, in 1946. Her citation reads, For magnificent courage and endurance in Japanese prison camps, which helped to maintain morale among her fellow prisoners, and also for saving many lives through her intelligence and watchfulness. At the same time, Frank Williams was awarded the PDSA's White Cross of St. Gillis for his devotion to Judy. Frank and Judy spent a year after the war visiting the relatives of English POWs who had not survived, and Frank said that Judy always provided a comforting presence to the families. When Judy finally died at age of 13, Frank spent two months building a granite and marble memorial in her memory, which includes a plaque describing her life story. So thank you so much for allowing me to share that with you, and I hope that it touches your heart and has you look introspectively to that sometimes the mysteries of life are not truly mysteries, they're the hand of God working in an unseen way. Now let's talk about the Maverick, all right? So now, the, the thing basically about this Ford Maverick is that it's much more than first meets the eye. And most people will look at this truck at first glance and see it and say that it's mickey mouse it's not what it's not what i need it's not what i want for the farm but what i'm going to ask you to do is i did in the radio shows i'm going to ask you to think out of the box and one of the things that i've seen in life and in business and specifically in agriculture excuse me is that people have a tendency to buy too much and i actually did a I, i did a show about this and they're buying too much and if you were to look historically at at the four-door short bed half-ton pickup truck market is that which is which is a vehicle that a lot of people in agriculture buy almost as a car so they'll use it they'll use it as a family vehicle and their, their wife will use it and they'll use it on the farm or, or what have you and and it's never really used to do much work. I mean, yeah, they'll go to they'll they'll have a pickup truck, so it's better than an SUV or suburban. So you could put a tote of chemical in the back or a pallet of seeds in the back of it, and and you could also go to see you go to church with with the family. You could put whatever. So it has a lot of versatility, and they've been very and you know the marketplace has really accepted those, and they've been quite commonplace in rural America. But so what I'm going to ask you to do is to look. At this Maverick, and then compare it, which is what I did, to a half-ton four-door pickup truck, because most people who buy a half-ton four-door pickup truck, and they could end up being in price depending upon the options you get, anywhere between let's say forty-five to fifty thousand dollars for a strip, up to eighty thousand dollars. I was at a Ram dealer the other day, and they had a, a. 1500 ram four door the sticker price was $80,000 all right so that's a gas motor Hemi because it's a 1500 it's not a Cummins it's not gonna right so so that's the $80,000 truck so the thing is that now the other thing I'm going to ask you to do at the same time is that you and i'm not trying to tell you to go out and buy a maverick but more of it's a thought process so i'm going to say i'm going to say to you that when you look to invest in something in this particular instance because we're talking about a vehicle is that you i'm not saying buy too little but you need to be realistic with yourself and say what am i going to use this vehicle for so now if you say well i'm going to pull a fifth wheel cattle trailer with it or a gooseneck cattle trailer i'm going to pull a camper with it or i'm going to do something then obviously you have to buy a vehicle that could accomplish that can the maverick accomplish that no so it can't pull a cattle trailer it can't pull it can't pull a fifth wheel trailer all right so if that is in if that is one of the boxes you have to check this is not for you but oftentimes we make financial decisions that have very long legs to them so look at the price of fuel now look at the things that are going on so arguably if you go and I look and i'm not telling somebody what to buy by no means i'm just giving you a different thought process and if you if you look and say okay using that eighty thousand dollar ram that i saw now tree, that thing was loaded up to the kill hilt with everything in it but you take this eighty thousand dollar ram and if you look at it it holds five people I look at the Maverick. The base price Maverick starts at twenty thousand dollars, nineteen thousand nine hundred ninety-five. It holds five people. All right. Is there a little bit more legroom in the back of the full-size pickup truck that holds five people? Not denying, but the Maverick had sufficient legroom. If you look at if you look at the maver if you look at the four-door <clears throat> half-ton pickup truck. All right. That's going to have a short bed cargo bed usually a six foot bed or sometimes a five and a half foot bed well the maverick has about the same size bed if you put the tailgate down it's six foot so it's about a five foot bed which is really not that much different than that big pickup truck all right so that's the next thing we have there if you look at the ground clearance on the Maverick and I'm not going to state any numbers if you look at the ground clearance on the Maverick versus the true ground clearance on the four-door half-ton pickup truck. Yes, the body is sitting higher over the tires, not going to deny that, but that's not ground clearance. It's the frame, it's the differential, it's the transmission and the engine that's the ground clearance and that's one of my issues with today's modern pickup trucks is they sit so high, but it's giving you not it's giving you no- no benefit yes it's giving you a more commanding position on the road but the flip side of that is that you cannot it makes it much harder to load it makes harder to get in and out makes harder to look underneath the hood and service it you practically need a parachute to get out of some of these all right to jump out of them and then if you're loading things in the bed that the lift height is much higher all right so it's so does the maverick have sufficient ground clearance yes all right does it so the thing is that so when you start to look at all of these different things then you will start to see that this truck the Ma- Ford maverick and may be a good potential for you to consider when it comes now i'm not saying go out and sell your pickup truck and buy a maverick all right but if you were to buy something for your family to use or buy a second or third vehicle for the farm and but you need to first apply the metric and be truthful with yourself and say, what am I truly going to use this for? So that is as we get into this Ford Maverick that I want to talk to you about. Now, real quick, the Maverick comes only as a four-door and it's standard with front-wheel drive, which is, which is different than right. No front-wheel drive pickup trucks, standard with front-wheel drive and an optional all-wheel drive. So you either have to have front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. Now, keep in mind that when you're looking at a front-wheel drive pickup truck versus a standard rear-wheel drive pickup truck, the necessity of four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive is not really as important as it would be with a standard pickup truck because you have the weight of the engine and the transmission over the front drive wheels, whereas you could have a, a traditional pickup truck which is rear rear wheel drive and has minimal to no weight over the drive wheels. So, that's why a lot of people buy four-wheel drive because they need that four-wheel drive they get out of the wet field they get out of the snow they get out of the mud or what have you all right so the so the attribute of the front wheel drive kind of negates to a great extent the need to have all-wheel drive have the expense of all-wheel drive have the complexity of all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive all right and and the fuel economy penalty of that so keep that in mind that's in stark contrast to what a regular traditional pickup truck is now also a regular pickup traditional pickup truck is a body on frame so there's a frame a chassis and the body bolts it. where the maverick is unibody all right so it's made like a car so you may say well i don't want unibody it's not going to be able to control it's not going to be able to handle the load and we're going to get into that a little bit more. So we have all these contrasts, and I'm asking you to think out of the box and apply a metric to it and say, well, if I need another vehicle or my family needs a vehicle, would this be a good choice? So it only comes as four-door. The standard drivetrain, believe it or not, is a hybrid hybrid drivetrain so it's the only it's so the hybrid in most applications of a vehicle the hybrid is optional you pay more money for it this the maverick for $19,995 base price all right gives you a hybrid drivetrain standard and you have to pay a thousand dollars more give or take for the the I would say gasoline, the the traditional engine, which is a two liter boost which is a two hundred fifty horsepower, whereas the hybrid drivetrain is around one hundred ninety one horsepower, because it's the the Atkinson gasoline engine being enhanced by the electric motor that it makes it a hybrid. All right now. Keep in mind, also, you say, well, that's a hybrid hot rod. My, I know somebody had a Prius and whatever, or a hybrid XYZ and what have you. Well, I want to establish that Ford made very clear that this is not a car hybrid drivetrain, that this, that this whole Maverick program was designed... To be truck based. So it's not like they're taking a car hybrid from a Fusion hybrid electric motor and, and constant velocity transmission, sticking it in the Maverick and say, okay, here we got a truck. No, no, no. This is Maverick specific, truck specific, and it is a Ford produced electric motor and a Ford produced CVT transmission in Van Dyke transmission plant in Michigan. So it's in Ford designed. So it's a heavy duty hybrid electric motor and it's a heavy duty hybrid cvt transmission very important it's not a it's not a transplant from a ford car hybrid so keep that in mind that they did towing tests with this they did everything or i won't go into it here but trust me on this all right the next thing, basically, so you have that or you have the EcoBoost engine as an option. The EcoBoost engine, you could get in front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive if you choose for the standard hybrid powertrain. It's front-wheel drive only. There's no all-wheel drive. But as I kind of established, is that I don't really know if you need all-wheel drive with this vehicle. I put snow tires in the front, it'll go any place. All right, so that that is, that is basically that. The truck comes in three trim levels, xl xlt and lariat and then there's a lariat luxury package on top of that which i would discuss as far as the truck's ability to work other than a different tire selection that comes on different models so like the i had two i had a i had a lariat with the luxury package and i had an xl and uh so two different test vehicles a week apart and uh the lariat with the the larry with the luxury package had Style, you know, aluminum wheels the bigger tires on it, and whereas the XL had stamped steel wheels and a smaller tire. Actually, I like the XL because when you have the smaller tire, it has more sidewall and it had it had more of a a, a, a tire that I think would fit fit the use of a of an agricultural consumer or somebody who lives out in the country. But that's your own personal that's your own personal preference right so that's where we're at with the with the truck as far as the suspension is concerned it's four-wheel disc brakes and it's got a doesn't have a leaf spring rear suspension has an independent because there's no axle there all right so it has independent rear suspension with coil springs all right so keep that keep that in mind now the, the crux of it is that if you were to look at the maverick and look at its its space efficiency it's about 20 in, about 10 inches shorter than a ford ranger pickup truck which is the next one up i think it's about 20 inches or 25 inches shorter than an f-150 so it's it's compact as far as that is concerned but keep in mind the Maverick is 100 it's 200 inches long bumper to bumper 199.7, I think 7 the spec said the thing is that the usefulness the efficiency of the room in the Maverick to tell you the truth, I think it's a better, if if you're using a vehicle as I said in the beginning of this podcast, all right, and using it more or less as a car and with the op with the ability to carry weight in the back and carry something in the open bed, you know, a tote full of chemicals, a fertilizer, or what have you, then the use the I think that the Maverick is a better choice for you than than any one of the standard four door. Half ton pickup trucks, whether it's F one fifty, Silverado, Ram, Toyota, what have you, all right, because the space efficiency and the use efficiency of the Maverick is is it has has it defy its its physical footprint. Like I said, there's plenty of room inside. All right, the bed is basically the same size. And it has the lower lift over height. And the lower lift over height is very important to someone like me because for all intents and purposes, I farm on my own. And that's one of the problems that I have with these newer pickup trucks is that they're so damn high. So like when I go get my fertilizer, I use 275-gallon IBC totes, I could go to my ranger my old ranger and i could lift up that tow which weighs about 125 pounds according to the manufacturer and i could bring it to the tailgate and i could lift up the front put it on the tailgate and then get behind it and pick it up and slide it into the bed of my pickup truck my ranger any press vehicle i had whether it was a nissan whatever they call a big nissan i further they call them titan nissan titan Ford F-150, F-250, Chevy Silverado, Silverado, GMC, right? I could not do that because the damn thing sits so high and then I could not even, and I'm about 5'10", 5'11". If I were to drop something in the bed of the truck, I could not reach it. From I have to either climb up in the bed or get a ladder, I mean a little steps to and then they sell you a step to go in the back bumper. So to- useless, useless height to me. And it's very important because I could I could load my ranger by myself. Whereas even if I'm loading bags of seed, that I would need two people with a higher pickup truck to accomplish the same task, because with my ranger I could pick it up over the side and put it in. All right. The Maverick has a very low lift height, like my Ranger. So I could put, and I did put an eye my I one tote in there by myself with no more effort than I had with the Ranger whatsoever. So it's very, very, very important that you look at things like that. So the Maverick to me has a lot more usefulness because it has a smaller footprint, it's not this big monster, and you're not really sacrificing any capabilities as far as the uh the capacity is concerned for carrying people or carrying a volume of a load right now i let's talk about fuel economy now the maverick i had two of them i had a and you know with gas i just paid five dollars a gallon for gas here in town 499.9 and it's heading north let's go brandon right so anyway Got to put that in there. So, the hybrid version that I had, I had it for a week and I put on 490.3 miles during that week. During that time, as I said in last week's show, it went 167.2 miles on electric power. And for the 490.3 miles, I averaged 48.8 miles per gallon, which is phenomenal. And I think that's something that we often don't look at in agriculture, but people look at in the trucking industry, the transportation industry is they call it cost per mile. So you so let's say arguably you buy that pickup truck for your wife to use and you can use it for the farm as an extra vehicle then what have you, go to meetings, go to church, what have you. all right So so, if you're getting 20 miles per gallon versus 40, not even say 48, 40 miles per gallon, then every 20 miles is costing you right now, today in New Jersey, and maybe less than 20 miles per gallon, $5 to go there. So if you live, let's say 10 miles from town, and then it's, cost, it's, it's basically gonna cost you, all right, 10 miles and 10 miles is 20 miles, so it's gonna cost you $5, a gallon of gas if you got 20 miles per gallon to go to town and come back all right whereas with the maverick it would cost you less than half of that now that's is going to be a lifestyle thing for you the fact i mean it's a life choice i mean the things you say well i don't care i don't go i don't drive then much i don't care about the gas that's fine so that has to be but if you have if you're running around a lot you're going to meetings your wife is going to the school she's going to see in-laws whatever whatever is going on in your particular life and you're putting a lot of mileage on or, a substan- or, or i'll say a substantial amount of mileage then cutting your gas consumption in half is very 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 that, i mean that, that's a great cost savings i mean there's no denying it Not like it's 50 cents a gallon and then on my loc- local route which is 42 miles with the maverick hybrid and uh, it's about 20 miles on the highway and 21 22 miles on secondary roads the Dawn thing averaged just about 53 miles per gallon. So I did it seven times each day, once a day, and it got between 52.1 and 54.9. Now, mind you, as I was driving the speed limit here, I'm not going 90, 100 miles an hour. I mean, the speed limit on the highway is 65, and then the secondary roads is 50. So if you're going 80, 90 miles an hour, you're not going to get that, but you are going to get probably 50% to 75% more than you would with a bigger pickup truck all right and then on my 275 mile highway test route the the maverick got uh 47.4 miles per gallon so quite substantial difference between that and a full-size pickup truck so uh, then again Depends upon you. Put three thousand miles a year on, then you don't care. All right. Now that was with the hybrid. With the EcoBoost version, which was the XL front-wheel drive EcoBoost, I got thirty-four point eight miles per gallon average for the six hundred fifteen miles I drove this one more. Just the way it worked out. Six hundred fifteen miles all right on the highway route the same highway route i do the same route i got 38 miles per gallon and then on the local driving i averaged 37.2 so this is about so no matter how you slice it that the EcoBoost engine gets between 10 and 15 miles per gallon less with every driving scenario than the hybrid all right so so that's something to keep in mind but still phenomenal mileage compared to a, a regular half ton four-door pickup truck that's really not going to be able to do much Practic, I mean, it can do more, yes, the bigger truck, but are you using it for more? Now, interestingly enough, let's talk about load capacity because that's what a truck is about, all right? Now, Ford rates the Maverick for 1,500 pounds in the bed, all right? 1,500 pounds. I mean, I had the, now, anybody who knows who's got a half-ton pickup truck, you could put a hell of a lot. I put over 2,000 pounds in my old Ranger, all right? And when I go to get my fertilizer, I probably put 3,600, 3,700 pounds in a full-size Half ton pickup truck. All right, so that's basically where you're at with that. The ratings—I don't know where they got them from—half like ton, three quarter ton, what have you. But there's a lot of controversy with how they even came up with those. But when I remember when I went, like, if I looked at, I remember the Chevy Silverado I had two years ago. And I went to go get my fertility down at the mill in uh, in Maryland, Ben Hushin. That they rate that truck. It was a four door Silverado High Country. Chevy rates it for only seventeen hundred. I think it was like 1,726 pounds. I probably put 3,600 pounds in the back of it and laughed at it, all right? But, so they're always underrated and you could carry more. Can you carry 5,000 pounds in it? No, but you could carry much more than they say. So the Maverick is rated for 1,500 pounds. So I said, all right, now what I'm gonna do is that I could not do this with the hybrid version and has nothing to do with the drivetrain because that was a loaded XLT, and what they did is that they gave me it came with a, a hard torn out, torn out cover on the back and i said to ford can i take this cover off which looked like a nightmare all right because i wanted to load this to do a load test they said ah, we would appreciate it if you don't take anything off but the next truck we're going to give you on friday is an excel and that has no cover the suspensions are the same you could do your load test with that so that's exactly what i did so since i already got my fertility and my crop is planted is being planted, right? Six planting so far, is that I uh could not go to the mill to get it. So what I basically do when that scenario comes up is I take one of my empty totes, all right, put it in the back of the truck so I could see how I could load it. That's how I know I could load it. Now also the Maverick <laughs> all right, this stuff, this truck and I'm gonna use Ford's time is built for tough that ford engineers said that the tie downs in the bed have to pass the same strength test all right that they do in the f in the super duties not even the f-150 is super duty so it's got the same tie downs and the same mooring that the super duty does in this little maverick all right so you could tie down anything you want there and not worry about it so i put the tote in no problem and then what I did was that I did the math. I figured eight pounds for a gallon of water and said, I think it works out to be 8.2. So I did the math and I put about 1,700 pounds in the back of the Maverick that's rated for 1,500. But you know, you can always go more, all right? And what I did is I measured the ride height so that from the from the arch of the rear, fender down to the ground that's the ride height when you measure ride height in a vehicle it's from the arch of the fender to down to the ground all right and so with and it i, I forgot what the numbers were all right but with 1700 pounds in the back of that little maverick a little maverick <clears throat> the vehicle only dropped two and a quarter inches in the back so this thing is nowhere near like a ram i mean and i know you, you people think i got i got it against ram but you can't put this in a ram 1500 and not have the bumper dragon on the ground so this little maverick could outhaul in the bed a ram 15 i'm not saying a ram 2500 I'm not saying a ram 3500 A ram the same basic four-door ram pickup truck all right that that you would be comparing this against even though this is much smaller so i put 17 approximately 1700 pounds i wanted to go weigh it with the load but my Gromark dealers the scale was down all right so but i did the math i so it was probably about 1700 or whatever give or take all right in the back of the truck took the maverick with the 1700 pounds in the back and i went on my 42 mile test route because you're holding it in the driveway in the farm is one thing not busting the frame in half all right or breaking a spring but how does it go down the road is it stable can it accelerate do you feel like it's going to tip over can it stop can it do whatever so the thing basically is i took it with the 1700 pounds now mind you i had about 190 gallons of water in the 275 gallon tote and if you have any experience doing stuff like that you know that's like like we just say hauling swinging beef right in a uh, in a in, in a semi where it's swinging and moving all around whereas if the tote was full then it wouldn't be swinging all around so this is actually the worst case scenario having something sloshing around because if you put 1700 pounds of a pallet of even liquid, for some kind of chemical in jugs, it would not slosh around. And if you put a, a pallet of seeds in the back of dry fertilizer, it's not going to slosh around. So the Maverick handled this unbelievably. right all right. I mean, it did not feel light in the front. It was only front wheel drive. The brakes were fantastic. All right. I mean, obviously, you're not going to go 90, 100 miles an hour with it. The brakes were fantastic. even the vehicle felt very stable, even though the water was sloshing around, I was able to go down the highway with no problem at the legal speed limit get off the exit ramp no problem and take the secondary roads with no problem whatsoever i could have actually taken that maverick metaphorically driven it to california with that load and that white knuckle i mean on the highway even took my hands off the wheel for a second just to see how she's gonna track with the weight in there even with the with the water sloshing around she tracked true i mean you could feel it going from side to side all right but it, it tracked true so in essence, this thing could work, all right, this truck can work, and believe it or not, with the 1,700 pounds in the back, all right, in the back, uh, on my 42-mile test route, all right, my 42-mile test route, where I was averaging 37.2 empty, came in at 34.2 miles per gallon, unbelievable, and they must have a very, very aggressive. And this was the two-liter EcoBoost engine, and it must have a very aggressive fuel shut-off algorithm. All right. So when you're coasting, because obviously with seventeen hundred more pounds in the back, it coast down the hills a heck of a lot better than it does with nothing in it. All right. Is that it's and this is this is a design route where you're going up and down hills, curves on the highway and the interstate. All right. So it's it's a route that I that I chose because it's very it, it, it's very representative of real life it's not table tap top flat it's not pie in the sky it's real life that somebody would drive and that darn thing got 34.2 miles per gallon so which was unbelievable with that load in it and i felt completely safe with that load in it i felt that the i was not I mean, Yeah, that i went down the highway 65 did I take the exit ramps five miles per hour slower than the posted limit? Yes, I did because that's only that's only being responsible. You're not going to go down if it's a forty mile per hour exit ramp curve. You're not going to go down there at ninety miles an hour with seventeen hundred pounds in the back. So, but <clears throat> was I an obstacle to traffic with it? No. Did I feel safe in it? Yes. So that is very, very, very important. So that gets to the point where, and then when I was back here at the farm, I weigh about 210, 220. I haven't weighed myself recently. So let's say 220. I got in the back of the Maverick and with the 1,700 pounds in there, I got I jumped onto the back into the bed or I was standing on the tailgate, which is out canter leaving it off and it, the bed hardly dropped anymore. So it only had about two and a quarter inch of drop with that loaded. My thing and whatever, I think that sucker could haul a ton with zero problems, all right. Zero. I mean, obviously, you're going to find its breaking point. So, to get back to my original thought is that can this? Do, so, if you're buying a half-ton four-door pickup truck for 80000 dollars, whatever it is, all right. and you're saying you're using it as a vehicle and you're saying you're using it as a secondary vehicle on the farm or you're an agronomist or you're a seed salesman or a chemical salesman. So I got to deliver a pallet of seed to somebody. Well, yeah, you're going to put 4,000 pounds in the back. No, you're not going to, like you could a half ton pickup truck. Not going to deny that, right? But you have to look at it and say, how often do I put 4,000 pounds in the back? And if I never put 4,000 pounds in the back, and the most I put is 2,000 pounds or 1,500 pounds or 1,000 pounds, then you're paying a lot extra for that truck for whatever. If that's what you want, God bless you. But now keep in mind that the loaded Maverick I had, the XLT luxury package—not actually Lariat with the Lariat luxury package—came in at about thirty-eight thousand dollars. And if <clears throat> that had a moonroof, heated seats, heated steering, <clears throat> like I said, too much, too much garbage in it. I'm going to say another word, but too much garbage in it. All right, I mean, yeah, it could still do the same work. So let's use that loaded truck versus that loaded Ram I saw the other day. And, and they're all nothing against Ram. I mean, you buy a loaded uh, F-150 four-door, they're $80,000. You buy a Chevy, they're $80,000. This Maverick, the loaded Maverick, is 50% of the price of the loaded four-door pickup truck that you may be buying for your personal use and for your <clears throat> farm, all right? So now say, well, I'm not buying a loaded one hot rod i'm buying a forty thousand dollar one well then you look at the xl that i used all right that i did that i had here that was starts at twenty thousand put a thousand dollars for the ecoboost engine you're twenty one thousand dollars all right so it's still fifty percent of what that so if you took if you got a base four-door pickup truck versus the base four-door maverick, no matter how your slice is loaded or base, that you are still 50% of the cost, double the fuel economy, double the fuel economy, all right, that you would get with the with the other truck. And like I say, based upon your use, all right, are you buying something that you are not going to use with that big truck? And to tell you the truth, I would probably say that I'll pick on the F-150 because it's Ford to Ford, is probably 90% of the, and Ford don't want to hear this, right? Because uh, they make a lot of money on those trucks. But I'd say 90% of the people who buy a low, uh, some semblance of a four-door F-150, all right, or four-door Silverado, whatever we'll say, F-150, all right, would have been a much smarter choice to buy a Maverick than that i mean obviously the maverick didn't exist but that's how phenomenal that this little truck is and how capable it is so for me it's a very capable vehicle because if i were to buy anything larger i would not use that capability and i would not be able to load it and unload it by myself which is a big obstacle when you are a single person farming single meaning not single that I'm not married but single that I don't have anybody here farming with me now let's talk about some other stuff build quality was excellent fit and finish was excellent i am disappointed that it was assembled in mexico i'm hoping that they're selling so many of them that they that they make them in another plant also two plants but whatever all right the ease of service under the hood spectacular with both the hybrid or you know so many vehicles today to change a simple headlight bulb is a nightmare. You got to take the front fascia off. You could open up the hood in the Maverick. If you're going down the road, you're on a road trip someplace, a headlight burns out, if you reach down there, you buy a headlight bulb, you twist the fitting, and you put the bulb back in. And you know, and if you ever had to change a headlight bulb on a lot of these new vehicles, that, that is really a great plus. Because, I mean, I was once out in Ohio with my Fiesta. It's not that bad. You don't have to take the fascia off, but it's not that it's I mean, it's a lot of cursing a Christian man does. The Maverick, <clears throat> two minutes you're changing a headlight bulb without any wrenches with your hands, All right? All right. The I spoke about the low lift light. I spoke a uh, low lift height. All right. Now you're going to say, okay, Hot Rod, you're getting paid off by Ford because everything is so wonderful with this thing. It's a good Lord made it. Well, no, there's some things about it that I do not like. All right. Now. And they're minor, and one is major, but it's not a design flaw. All right, first of all, the fuel filler door I do not like because it's one of those you press it and then it releases by itself. I'd rather have a regular old-fashioned type of door that closes... That closes solidly. and the reason why I don't like that is because when I was loading the tote and filling the tote and securing the tote and putting stuff in the back doing a load test because I road test these vehicles as I as a farmer would be, right? I take it in the field with the load, and I did all of that I took it on the wet grass to see how it would take it with the load, all right, with the load. I have an embankment here in the farm I want to drive up with it up the hill on the wet grass after the five inches of rain because I had 1,700 pounds in the back, which would be shifting weight off the front of the vehicle. Hey, is it going to spin the wheels? Is it going to be stuck? Who the hell knows, right? Zippo, baby, <laughs> the thing, the thing just like, no matter what I threw with that little Ford, it just said to me, like, hot rod, that's the best you got. You got to try better than this right so what happens though is when you lean against the body to load the truck if you happen to be loading where the or doing something where the fuel fill is, your body presses against it and it releases it and it becomes a jar and then you have to close the the door all right the things that remember these are capless fuel systems so if you leave that door ajar, eventually if it goes through an evap test it's going to fail and put the check engine light on but you just have to make sure so i really think that ford just needs to do forget about the little you push it and it's got a spring on it and it comes out just make a regular you know regular hinged fuel filter fuel fuel fill door and that problem is gone right the other thing is that i do not like the climate control it's not a deal deal breaker for me uh i like the old-fashioned knobs this one was all buttons It wasn't that terrible to operate, it wasn't that, it's not as intuitive as knobs, all right knobs you could be in a snowstorm or rainstorm and change it to frost or heat or whatever and and just do it by feel, but what I did not like about it is that when you have it on vent for some reason probably only known to God and the engineers at Ford Motor Company is that it all of a sudden wants to kick the AC compressor on. So you got it on vent, right? It's like, whatever, it was a cool morning. It was 56 degrees, 60 degrees. I have it on vent. I like vent, right? If I don't need air conditioner, I like vent. Have it on vent. So geez, boy, I got cold in here. And it's. I said, did this damn thing just put the AC compressor on for a couple of minutes? And, and, and I said, nah, then so for some unknown reason under certain conditions even though you have the ac off the vent off you have the temperature it's going to throw the ac compressor on i don't know why and i confirmed that by getting out of the truck popping the hood and feeling the ac line is ice cold and wet and fro- and and sweating and so why why would i have it on vent And both trucks did the same thing and I don't know why it, and and then other then other times it didn't put it on vent. I'm not saying it's a does I'm not saying there was a problem with those vehicles. They for some reason make some sort of stupid decision that when you have it on vent every once in a while to cycle the air conditioner on. All right. And if the purpose of vent is I want outside air, I don't want air conditioning. All right. So that's basically that. And so those are the two things I didn't like about it. When you get the hybrid which is not the end of the world when you get the hybrid the actual 12 volt battery not the hybrid battery is under the rear seat in the back it's very easy to get to you're able to pop the seat up it's hinged and the battery it's a special part number battery and has a built-in handle so you pick it up so it's not an issue so i mean it's, it's not a like i said it's nowhere near a deal deal breaker to me whatsoever all right the serviceability as I get back that on the engines on both engines is very simple air filter simple on the eco booster batteries right under the hood that's simple my wife's escape 2014 is a nightmare to take the battery out you got to take the cowl off and take the windshield wiper arms off nightmare all right this is not you could take the battery in and out there in three minutes beautiful all right Uh, The coil packs on both engines, very easy to get to. Uh, Fluids, very easy to get to. Dipstick, easy to get to. So very, 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 very serviceable, which to me is a big deal, all right? So other than the air conditioner not the air conditioner the vent evoking the ac compressor for some unknown reason all right but they both did it so like i said it wasn't like it was boston all right and the idea of the fuel filler door and the idea that it is assembled in mexico all right and no disrespect to anyone i'm not a racist or anything but i would like to keep the jobs in america or canada all right but all right so but the truck is designed it's american i mean it's american truck i mean there's no denying it it's just that the assembly it happens to be there all right so the thing is that the only thing so like i said those are uh minimal minimal uh all of these new vehicles even the xl has too much crap in it pardon my language All right, I mean, you got to press these buttons for this, this and that. You have your seatbelt on, press OK. All right, these both had that Ford, whatever, Ford Copilot 360, which I ended up shutting off, all right, which... It was five hundred sixty dollars on the on the sticker price if you wanted it, which it tells you you're at a. It, I don't need Big Brother to tell me I'm riding to the left of this lane because there's a pothole there. I don't need the steering wheel tugging at me, but like I said, that's an optional thing. You don't need that. But one of the marketing flaws that I really really latched on to marketing, not design or manufacturing or engineering, marketing flaws with the Maverick for two thousand twenty-two. And hopefully they change it for 2023. Is that now? Keep in mind, I have a show on Sirius XM. Right, and I'm not, obviously I'm not bragging, but I like to be able to get into a vehicle and listen to the network rural radio that I'm on. Well, if you want a satellite radio in a Maverick, you have to go from the XL all the way up to the Lariat, all right, which is, and I have my numbers written down here, what the heck I do with them? Okay, here they are, all right. So you have to go up to a Lariat, and then you have to buy the Lariat Luxury Package. Now, this is a, I'm going to say something freaking radio, all right? This is not, not a motor, it's not a whatever. Now, so you have to buy the Lariat Luxury Package, and the Lariat Luxury Package is $4,400, all So now you have a $19,995 truck, which is the base price of the XL with the hybrid engine. To move up to the Lariat, all right, which is the same hybrid engine. We didn't put the EcoBoost in it yet. It's now $25,860. And then, so that's $5,865 more to move up to the Lariat and then you have to buy the lariat luxury package to get this which is part of this satellite radio company which is another forty four hundred dollars so basically in essence if you said i have to have a, a uh, <clears throat> I need to have satellite radio with this vehicle you're making an investment of ten thousand two hundred sixty five dollars over the base price of the xl excuse me which is absolutely insane all right insane now on the xl the one that i had had a moonroof for eight hundred dollars so why can you put a moonroof in a basic work truck have its eight hundred dollar option i'm not saying give me the satellite radio for free but charge me six seven hundred dollars for the satellite radio and i think really it that is a Big marketing faux pas by Ford. So in essence, now in New Jersey, we have 7% sales tax. So if you take $10,265 and add 7% sales tax, it's going to cost you $10,983.55, which is more than 50% over the base price of the XL truck. Now, granted, you're getting a lot of stuff in there for $11,000. You're getting the moonroof. You're getting all this other stuff that you don't want. I don't want that. I want an XL. I want an xl base work farm truck with a trailer hitch on it. I want the spray-in bed liner, and I want the satellite radio. I'm not looking for something for nothing. But for you to not make that an option on the lower trim levels and even on the upper trim level to have to put to buy a $4,400 luxury package. And you ever saying to me, well, now keep in mind, I'm going to get back to this for you back for one second. I don't want to jade you. Is that the one I had, the Lariat, which was the hybrid, had the luxury, was $38,000. So it's 50%, like I said, versus an $80,000 pickup truck. But I don't want an $80,000 pickup truck. I don't want a $40,000 pickup truck. And a lot of people in this audience, you're an agronomist, you're a seed salesman, you're a farmer, all right? You're buying this vehicle as a second or third vehicle on the farm. <coughs> and you want to have satellite radio because you want to listen to rural radio because the terrestrial, it, you know, and I'll, and I, I'll say this, and you know hopefully i'm sure they won't hear it but what if they do who the heck cares i'm not politically correct i don't think that serious xm is that great i love rural radio not because my show is on it because it it talks to me it talks to me as an american it talks to me as a patriot it talks to me as a farmer as a person living in the country all right but the rest they got like all these channels most of them suck between to tell you the truth so it's not that it's not that Sirius XM is so good it's that terrestrial radio regular radio was so bad and i and a lot of people in rural america i, mean, I could buy a I could buy a a farm tractor and get a serious satellite radio as an option. I don't have to buy a top of the line. I could buy other brands. You could buy a Chevy. I don't know whether it's a Silverado or not, and you could get it as an option maybe, all right? And I know I could buy an F-150 and get it as an option. I could buy a transit van and get it as an option. Granted, it's probably a $700, $800 option, but I would pay that to have it the way I want. I'm not buying... Paying eleven thousand dollars and getting a whole bunch of junk in a truck that I want to take in the field and bring a, a, a and bring you know a, a skid of seed to my planter in <clears throat> or, or or cut a tree down and carry some firewood out. I don't. I want the rubber floor mat. I want the the vinyl upholstery. I don't want all that crap. So, pardon my language, but other than that and which is a marketing faux pas this truck is absolutely fantastic and i would recommend it to anyone all right i i would sincerely like i said i'm not getting anything from ford i don't even have my ford stock anymore i sold it so there's no there's no skin in the game for me here whatsoever but this truck is so impressive it does it does it it'll probably it'll probably be a better vehicle than an eighty thousand dollar pickup truck for eighty for ninety percent of the people who buy an eighty thousand dollar pickup truck, I mean, is it as much bragging rights? Well, no. I'd rather have the. I'd rather have the. Even if you bought the loaded one, I'd rather have the forty thousand dollars in the bank and the fuel economy because that's like I started to say before. You know, that's a thing that if you're going to go broke driving something then you know, we'll, we'll limit where you're going to go and say, eh, I'm not going to go over there because gas is $5 a gallon, All right, The thing is that that's counterproductive. You're buying a vehicle for transportation. And the thing is that, and and if you're, in, you know, no matter, I mean, I'm, thank God, the good Lord blessed my wife and I were far from destitute. But I think, you know, I'd rather save that money and give it to the animal shelter, I'd rather save that money and give it to do some good with it instead of putting it in the gas tank. And in my particular instance, if I'm going by myself or I'm going with my wife, that extra vehicle, that extra size, that vehicle, to tell you the truth, in lots of ways, we don't even need a four-door Maverick. The ideal truck to me would be a Maverick with, with two jump doors in the back. It would be two feet shorter, have the same load capacity, same bed, and I don't need four doors, but that's fine, I'd live with that, but that's me, all right, that's my particular need, that I don't, we don't have any children, we don't have anybody, I don't need four doors, but the fact of the matter is, is that I'm going to ask you to think out of the box, and oftentimes we're buying too much than we actually need, and then we're living with that, with the carrying course and the expense for that for many many years and if you don't mind that that's wonderful that that serves your purpose wonderful all right but as a listener to my show as we get ready to close here you would be doing yourself and your business an injustice all right, to not consider this vehicle as a potential to replace something that's larger. And the other thing, basically, also, I mean, I didn't talk about a great turning circle, very easy to park. Backup camera is excellent. Side view mirrors are excellent. I backed out of my cornfield between the backup cameras and the and the mirrors. No problem whatsoever. You could put this thing in down a smokestack. Quite very easy to drive and also on the hybrid full electric motor torque is available in reverse so if you have 17 1800 pounds in the back and you're trying to back out of like my one field is is on as a uh, yeah there's a hill coming up out of it to the road because the road is high in the field the way they made it all right the thing is that i got i got full torque in electric drive going backwards this truck is fantastic i mean did I think I was going to like it? Yeah. Did I think it was going to come with a bunch of excuses? Yeah. This truck has got no excuses. Kudos to Ford. Kudos to the engineers that designed it. They know trucks. They know vehicles. And this little maverick will work the pants off of something that is a lot larger and a lot more expensive and costs you more to operate. So it is something for you to consider. And you could buy two of these for the price of a loaded Ford door pickup truck. And, you know what what more can i say about it so listen if you have any complaints any issues with what i said please reach out to me at hot rod farmer at farm and i want to thank you so much for listening and know that i am pulling for you the american farmer and rancher and my beloved beloved america you have a blessed day and uh, thank you for uh for listening to me and all my stories today bye-bye